Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Airborne will let you know when you may use approved electronic devices, but note that some items may not be. So, welcome to the Cobra cast with the Prez and VP. I'm the Prez, Rifty, Ricky Logan. That's Ricky Ed Dog Etridge. Now, we're going on a massive trip. We're heading over to the United States. We're going on a week-long tour of the US AFL teams. Um, we're heading all over the joint, but where are we headed to first, mate? Mate, well, I've spent a lot of time planning this trip and getting our route sorted, so... Uh, a lot of time on Google Maps, making sure that we're not wasting any valuable time trying to travel between places. So we're going to start sort of in the uh, yeah, nice part of the country, nice big part of the country. Houston, Texas, mate, is where we're starting. Oh, very nice, very nice. Not, not far from my beloved Dallas Cowboys, but all right, give us a bit about all right, how mate. far it is. All right, mate. How long so is it going to take us? So from where we are, from Melbourne, where we're starting off, it's going to take us... Around about 23 hours to get there, it could, it's about 15,000 kilometers away. All right, and so Houston Metro covers about 2,750 square kilometers and has a population just under 7 mil. So, fair chunk of people in that little area. To be, and we're going to add two more to that for a little bit. Um, so, Houston have a few major league sporting teams. They include the Houston Astros in the MLB, the Rockets in the NBA. Uh, the Texans in the NFL and the Dynamo in the MLS. Oh, yeah. No one cares much about those teams, I guess. Pretty they're sure the, they had an XFL team as well. I should have put that in there. Yeah. But, you know, they're the, the lesser of the Texas teams, so who really cares? Yeah, uh, but when we get to Dallas, mate, you can start up at it, mate. It won't be that far. I'm going to guess we must be going there probably next, I'm going to assume. Well, you'd think so. But anyway, yeah. Houston's most iconic food is the chicken fried steak. Now, I've never understood why they just don't call it a crumb steak, but chicken fried steak is better. does sound probably better, though, I reckon. Yeah, it's strange one. It doesn't have chicken in it at all. Uh, and the NASA space station is located in Houston. Houston? <laughs> we have a problem. <laughs> I was wondering who was going to be the one that pulls that out. So, uh, quite a few famous people are born in Houston, mate, but the only one that matters to me, and everyone else on this list, I don't care about. The one that matters to me birthplace of Hillary Duff. What? Yeah, Hillary Duff. Like, Hillary Duff, you know, the one child, the one star back in the day that never went off the rails and uh, she's just a babe, mate. That's all I can say. Fair enough. There's, there's a couple other people. Oh, who, who else you got, mate? Come on. Well, 
Yeah, the one and only Kenny Rogers, the late oh, okay. Patrick yeah. Swayze, um, oh. you know, MGK, Travis Scott, NBA superstar Jimmy Butler, NFL Super Bowl winner okay. Michael Strahan, look. and 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 the other writer of the Book of Mormon, Matt Stone. Okay, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I, um, I'm glad that you got the run sheet and decided that Hillary Duff wasn't enough, so you went and researched a bit more, but... And it's also, also, it is a birthplace of Undertaker, which is not, it's not Death Valley, it's Houston. Well, that's why I was, I didn't go to the Undertaker, because I was just like, no, he's from Death Valley, like, all parts unknown, so how can he be from Houston? But, anyway, so uh, Houston is also around a four-hour drive from Arlington, the birthplace of Hank Hill. Oh, Hank Hill, not bad. I wonder how he coped with isolation, mate, not being able to stand right next to his mates having a beer out the front of his house. Yeah, they probably just had to take a couple steps apart and they'd be right. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah, he probably, mate, Hank Hill would be loving it. I don't know about the other boys. Yeah, but then again, you know, hopefully Bobby didn't uh, get on his nerves too much. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah. that's always the worry. It is, but uh, so let's uh, you know, get off to Houston and chat to our mate Beardy across there. Yeah, yeah it was... Great chat. He's um, very passionate about Aussie rules football and he's been around the world, lived in all many different parts of the world. So he's quite interesting chat. Uh, I hope you all enjoy this one. And, you know, we'll probably be heading to Dallas next. I guess that makes the most sense. So yeah, I'll have to, um, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I have worked it all out, but I don't quite remember off the top of my head and don't have anything in front of me. So. Yeah, when we are. Uh, You've yeah. got time to get it sorted, mate. We'll, we'll... I'll go try and find what I was. I'll try and find our itinerary. All right. But just remember, this is the first episode in a whole week of USAFL. So we're heading all around the bloody country. So enjoy the first one and we'll see you on the next one. Uh, today we are joined by the president of the Houston Lone Stars, Nick, or he's better known as Beardy. Uh, how are you going, mate? Hey, doing great. Doing great. Uh, awesome. Thanks for joining us. Well, let's get into it and find out a bit about the uh, Houston Lone Stars. So when were the Lone Stars founded and why did they choose the name Lone Stars? So uh, we, we kind of have a, um, an original attempt to found a club and then something of a rejuvenation. So around 2006, uh, there were a couple expats around Houston who tried to get one started. Um, Mark McPartland was a, a key figure early on and uh, they very close with the Baton Rouge team that had already been established uh, Baton Rouge Louisiana which isn't it's a hop and a skip over the state line and uh, they went over there for a game there there were a couple of pretty gruesome injuries um, just bad luck and uh, you know the nature of being an adult in an amateur league uh, especially if you're an expat working and moving around a lot it just kind of fell apart within a few years. Um, so 2008 is when we look at the modern incarnation of our team. Uh, we, we picked back up in 2008 and those original boys had, I think just over some beers at a, at a local restaurant come up with Lone Stars. And uh, even in, after 2008, when the rest of us came around and we, we brought the team back up, we had voted on names and Lone Stars just stuck. It was easy, simple. Um, it's unique to us. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I like I like original names. So, um, yeah, it's a good one. But uh, so, where, who was the first game against, and how many players did you have then? 
So going from a from our modern team, um, our first official game where it was just Lone Stars against another team, because uh, here especially when you're starting a club out, you're usually traveling and playing with the, the closest team nearby. So we played with Baton Rouge for a little while, trying to get our legs under the game. Um, a, lot of, a lot of fun games in there. And then uh, eventually we played against them. They came to Houston. We hosted them. Uh, my coach and our, uh, at the time, president, because there was like eight of us, and he was the only Australian who knew what he was doing, he, uh, he sent me out around Houston to find some ground for us to play on. And the biggest open available space I could find was actually next to a uh, gun range. <laughs> so we made this as, as Texan as we possibly could. In our first game, we wore black shorts and just red t-shirts, uh, red any workout jerseys we could find. And we played against Baton Rouge. They gave us a little bit of a thumping. I uh, could hear guns going off off the side of the videos and uh but it was it was a fantastic timeout and we had an even better timeout that night with the baton rouge tigers a fantastic club a little bit of uh something similar there rifty with the gun range yeah yeah we're not too far from a gun range actually ourselves you can on a on a, a nice still night you can hear the guns going off yeah, a little I unsettling. It, <laughs> I think it took me about five years for being at the club to actually realise there was one, until like, someone from outside the club told me it was there. And I'm like, oh, that's what that noise is. I had absolutely no idea what was going on. I just thought there was constantly uh, shootings that don't, don't happen very often. <laughs> All right. So you also have a women's team that are called the Houston Heat. When did they start and how did that come about? Uh, yeah, actually, a little clarification. It's the, um, they're known as the, as the Texas Heat. Ah, okay. um, they're a conglomerate team. Uh, this is our little uh, hat form and their colors too. Um, they formed uh, 2017. Uh, we kind of had like a, a critical mass uh, in the club of women who, uh, not just wives and girlfriends and friends of the club, but people who got an interest in footy. And we were put, making a big effort to try and recruit women. We wanted to get a women's team going. And we finally had enough all of a sudden, and um, a key figure in there was uh, Milo Lombardi, um, an Aussie uh, expat over here in Houston, and he took on coaching duties for them. And um, we had uh, the wife of one of our uh, long-term captains, uh, Rebecca Stevens. She was perfect candidate for the first captain, and that first team in 2017 getting together was just, it was awesome. It was such good energy back in our club uh, to get, have something new starting again. The Texas Heat is, a, it, like I said, conglomerate team of Houston, Dallas, and Austin. Um, all the women that want to play footy, we just put them together in this one team until each individual club will have enough, hopefully in the next year or so, to have their own teams. This quarantine and COVID kind of threw a loop. So we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed for you. It's been nice to hear about clubs all over the world getting a women's team up and going. Um, so how hard is it to get blokes in to come play the game? And also, I know that you said you've got uh, the women's team is made up of three clubs. You know, how hard is it to get women to play the game as well? So the USAFL, the, uh, the, the league we play in, um, it's been around a good while now. Um, and 
it, it, as established as it is, it is very tricky in the U.S. to get people to play. One of the biggest things, you know, when people ask me what we're doing is, uh, oh, it's rugby? <laughs> uh, no. And then depending on how interested they are, it's, you just, yeah, 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 it's, it's rugby. It's, it's fine. And it's really frustrating because even rugby got a huge following here in the United States. There's a professional rugby stadium uh, 10 minutes down the road from my house, and it's just killed any hopes I have of explaining what footy is to my neighbors. Um, it's a little tricky because we have so many sports available here in, in the States and even in the smallest town, uh, out in the dust, you know, West of Texas, you'll find a huge football stadium, uh, American football stadium. So there's always something for people to do and trying to convince them to come do this really crazy looking sport. And when you finally get to that conversation of, yeah, it's contact. Uh, no, it's no padding, no helmets. Uh, it's a little, it's a little hard. Uh, the women, especially because uh, just because culturally everything, you know, is really sucky for women, you know, the assumption of going to play a full contact sport and especially with footy, because you don't necessarily need um, men or women, you don't necessarily need huge people playing like you do American football. Uh, there's a lot of size that just precludes you from playing American football. With footy, we, you know, you're, you're running so much and so cardio intensive. And to get people out to that and say, yeah, you're also going to run, you know, 150 meters, sprint up the ground, and then you're going to full on hit somebody. It's a really weird athletic mix that you got to find and then convince people to stick with. So we have, we have trouble uh, trying to find new people, but once we get them in, they just love it and they stick around. Yeah, it's one of the things I mentioned when we spoke to Denver is, I think if you were able to take some, uh, you know, even top-level high school receivers and get them across to play Aussie rules, they'd make the perfect centre-half, full forward, and with that athletic ability to jump up and catch the ball, you just have to teach them how to kick and, the rest will take care of itself. I think with some of the, the ability some of those guys have at, uh, at receiver. But yeah, again, it's hard to convince and to educate people on it. It's such a different game that um, as I, I played American football when I was a junior, so I've, I've even played alongside guys that uh, think Aussie rules is crazy because you don't wear pads. And I think, well, no, you're, American football, you wear pads as a weapon. So it's, yeah. to me, it's crazy. <laughs> like, you, um, I've never been hit harder in Aussie rules than I have when I've played American football. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You haven't uh, been hit by the bear trap then, have you, mate? <laughs> nah. Uh, <laughs> but um, so, what's the sort of ratio of the, the locals to Aussies that you have playing for you? I say uh, here in Houston, you know, we're, we're a huge city uh, and very international city. Um, so we're a little, we're pretty fortunate in the Aussies we get uh, moving over in and out, uh, usually with the oil industry here in Houston. Um, so I'd say we fluctuate between like 80% 80, 80 Americans and 20% Australians. Um, I, think, I think that's probably pretty accurate at any given time. Um, it's hard because, you know, we'll have, this, this, this nice swap of Australians come over for a good two, three years on contract and the, the club culture will shift just slightly with this new crowd. 
and then they're all leave at the, at the same time for different reasons. And we got a new crowd in. So yeah, about 80, 20. Yeah. It's, um, it's good when you're able to maintain a sort of higher percentage of the, the local Americans and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of the clubs we're talking to, they, they find that they struggle with that transient type population of, you know, Aussies in for a couple of years and then leave and they're, you know, they might lose half their team and they've got to start again. So yeah, yeah. Get, getting locals to play and, and embrace the game is the key, I reckon. But uh, whereabouts do you guys get to train and play? Um, so that's probably one of the biggest uh, hurdles for us in America because, you know, sports are so huge, but everything is um, – everything's so official. So you'll have American football stadiums, which – you know, the field is 100, 100 yards, and uh, usually around that is built uh, some sort of benches or, or seating capacity that's in the way of expanding the field. So we don't often, you know, that's good for practice, but not for a game. Uh, soccer fields are usually what clubs around here will go towards because if they haven't built some sort of drainage between or installed light fixtures, then you can get two fields together and put that. Um, for us, like I said, uh, years and years ago, I, I think I was 19, 20, and a uh, coach sent me out around town just to find anything. He was sitting on Google Maps and calling me and saying, all right, go here. And I said, Houston's a huge city. So I spent a good, <laughs> good five, six hours driving from one side of what would be like Honolulu to the other side of the island and um, found, found a local park just in a subdivision. Uh, there's a park here in Houston called Bendwood Park. And at this point, it's kind of home for us because we played so there for so long. When we have people come over for official games, we'll rent out a uh, field at the front of University of Houston, which is just in sight of a nice view of downtown skyline. And uh, they've got some soccer fields kind of right next to each other, and we can diagonally put a put a footy field close to to official. I guess you should just be thankful that the coach got you driving around, didn't get you doing a decent preseason in the uh, running department to try and find a game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did his best efforts to kill me in those early <laughs> days of preseason training. <laughs> yeah, I don't do preseason, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, all right, so you play in the USAFL. We've spoken to Denver, and we've also found out that trying to get games against um, other clubs can be quite difficult with the travel that's involved and logistics. As you said, there's three teams in Texas. There's you guys, Austin, Austin Crows. Yep, Austin Crows. And the, let me see my memory's good, the uh, Dallas Dingoes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, does that, with the three teams, does that help you guys being able to do sanctioned USAFL matches before you head off to nationals? Yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's a big, big thing in our league is just your little um, – now, I know this is a trigger word for you guys, but a little hub of, of teams that you have um, close by. So for us, uh, for us, it was really Baton Rouge because there was a history with that club when they very first attempts to get started. And um, we just have such a fantastic relationship with those guys. Um, a couple of them were at my wedding. We've been to, been to their events and stuff and uh, kind of built, built and cut our teeth against them for a while. At the time that we were building, Dallas and Austin were actually some pretty heavy hitters within the league. Um, we have now kind of traded off the advantage with Dallas. And I, I think there's probably, they're probably about the best club we have in the league for how close we are and have really competitive games against them. 
uh, Austin, when we were building up, Austin was really fine tuning their new machine of what their club was going to be and, and their recruitment and coaching. They were just second none. And they have such an athletic team of really competitive guys. They're multiple national champions here and um, uh, have, they've played some international games as well. I, I think they flew along with Denver. I think they've played uh, Columbia, um, had, had formed up a team. So playing against Austin and Dallas in our early days, it was a, it was, it was a test. It was, okay, this is probably the highest level we can get to one day. Um, so let's, you know, get, get suckered by 100 points and see what that feels like. And uh, then when we lose by 40 points, it, it's awesome. It's a victory. <laughs> I mean, we, we've had so many games where it was, uh, okay, guys, fourth quarter, don't let them get any goals. And that was the only, only thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'd have two or three tackles, and that would be cause for a round of drinks that night. Uh, the thing, these the days, thing is, though, sometimes good. things like that can be the best thing, like can be the best part of playing footy is when you oh, know yeah. you might not be winning, just – the little bits of fun that you can make out of it. Um, so you said that Houston, Houston, um, Austin, the powerhouse. How far away is Austin from you guys? Uh, it's funny because you, you have to do um, you have to do drive times in Texas, and uh, you know you gotta go from the middle of the city because if you live on one side of Houston, it's probably three to three and a half hours. If you live on the other side, it's maybe. 145 so they're a good they're a good two-ish hour drive from houston with them being a powerhouse do you guys happen to have players that will travel that two hours to go play for them instead of playing for the hometown houston uh not really and um you know i don't think a lot of that happens in our league um you know there there, there is a lot of loyalty to, to a club that you help build and that's the thing with, with us is Every single player who gets involved with the club, even for a little while, you are now an indelible part of that team's history, and you you've contributed something, which is so great. And uh, so I, I don't, you know, we we definitely haven't had that kind of history of people hopping over to another more successful team. Um, you know, it happens, but uh, we all, we have great relationships with with Dallas and Austin and Baton Rouge nearby, and um, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'd give each other crap for that for years <laughs> uh, it, it makes me happy that's not an issue because i reckon in australia if you only had three teams and one of them successful you'd have blokes driving seven hours to get there um, <laughs> so how successful has the club been um in the usafl like have you won any national championships have you come close yeah we um i'd say we do we do pretty good we're we're a good little bit above the, the average bar i'd say going over our 10 so years of being in existence in this league um there are two sets of tournaments in the usafl the first one first round is the regional tournaments so we break everything into an eastern central and western um regions and we we fall dead dead right in the center um central region so we do that one and it's kind of like a little warm-up um actually that's <laughs> that's not quite accurate because it's a gauntlet. It, it, it hugely a regional is one day. It's a Saturday. So everyone travels into Friday night and then Saturday, you could end up playing three games back to back um, to do the, the regional final. Um, actually, I guess four. Yeah. If you go, if you go to the final, you're, you're playing four games, which has happened for us. Um, the national tournament where whoever in the, in the, in the country can get there. It's the largest 
it's actually the largest Australian football tournament in the world because we have so many teams show up, uh, usually 30 to 40, including the women's teams. Uh, that one takes place over two days. And so, and four total games if you go to the final. So at regionals and nationals, um, we're usually one and two or two and one. Um, we did win a, we have four divisions. So we won a division three title in 2013. It was a really good year for us. Um, fantastic game. And uh, ever since we, we've just, we've, we've had good, good records in, in our, you, you'll have a slew of a home and away games uh, in between that, whatever any club can try and get together. And we, we do pretty good against, you know, the teams we're able to compete. Uh, Austin, Austin's usually a tough one. Uh, Dallas, we have really competitive games. Um, Oklahoma, uh, the Oklahoma Okies, they're great, and Baton Rouge as well. All right, since you've mentioned Oklahoma, we've got to ask this question. <laughs> Because <laughs> Tiger King has been massive for us over here. It's, it's been the, the, uh, the theme of, of isolation has been Tiger King for us. There was a question that we were actually asking our players in our early days about you know, if she did it or not. So it's been, it's been a big talking point within our player group chats and everything like that. But have you ever been there? You ever been to Joe Exotic's Tiger Park? I actually have not. But, um, you know, it's kind of funny if... Uh, if you've if you've been in the American South, um, which you know anything what we call the Mason Dixon line during our Civil War, the, the South is actually pretty high up in in the middle of the country. Uh, so Oklahoma kind of falls in there. If you've been in the South, you see these places. You 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 drive out. You you see these places on the side of the road. Uh, on our way to Baton Rouge, there used to be a gas station that had uh, a tiger out in a cage. You could see it from the road. And, uh, you know, you go fill up gas and there's this massive Bengal tiger just <laughs> sitting in a cage. So, yeah, you see these places. <laughs> it's going to give you a bit of behind the scenes for people. We done Denver, I think it was last week, and we recorded that. We went our separate ways, come back a bit later to do our intros. First thing he says to me with dead threat, oh, we, I tell you what, we bloody forgot something with Denver. And I sat there for 30 seconds trying to work out what we forgot. Oh, we didn't ask him if they'd been to Joe Exotics Park. <laughs> <laughs> it was treating it like we'd completely forgotten like a major thing we had about so like i said it has been the the theme of isolation for us and like the fact that there's tigers in cages that on the side of the road and places over there it just it's mind-blowing to us and we just yeah it'd be like you trying to explain aussie rules to an american trying to explain <laughs> that there's tigers in people's backyards over there just it's mind-blowing so sorry to sidetrack but what a comparison <laughs> what a comparison you comparing Aussie rules and tigers in a cage but i'm just saying they have a hard time explaining aussie rules over there and we we couldn't get our heads around the fact that there's tigers that many tigers over there yeah i think there's probably more tigers in captivity in the u.s than there are in the wild probably so yeah. <laughs> the thing is it's probably easy to explain to somebody tigers being locked in a cage and trying to explain some of the rules of aussie rules i guess yeah <laughs> that's, that's a fair point you know but, and that's that that's what's really uh really frustrating when we try to get the sport going here because compared to american football and even compared to rugby the rules for aussie rules are so simple and so intuitive and you know even even defining what makes a mark what makes a catch that that's that's cause for pulling your gun out here with american football you know 
oh, he caught it. No, he did it because both feet weren't on the ground or one foot was out of bounds or he dropped it before he landed because five guys hit him in midair. And I'm like, oh, goodness gracious. You don't have to tell me about that. I'm a Cowboys fan. And when <laughs> Des Bryant yeah. caught that ball against the Packers, uh, you can't tell me you, can't tell me you didn't. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. Um, you've also got a little Lone Stars program, which is, I'm guessing, similar to an Kick we have in Australia. Uh, how did you guys get that started? Yeah, actually, Kick's a, a kind of the main model we use for things like that. We even um, uh, sometimes to, to get try to get more people recruited, we even do like an adult Kick sort of setup. So with the little Lone Stars, um, we had we had some interest. Um, one of the great things about our club. Uh, we're very family friendly and family centric. And just one day we kind of looked around and realized, oh man, we've got like a bunch of kids now. <laughs> and uh, well, one of our figures, he was a president for a while, um, Andrew Craig, he was pretty big behind that, that push. And uh, so him and some of the other uh, guys from the club, it, during like our half times when we have uh, home, and, uh, usually home games, well, during our halftime, we'll rush out with some little uh, posts that we can slam in the ground real quick, little extended poles. And uh, we'll rush the kids out there and throw some, some training jumpers on them and uh, just kind of run them through a game. And it's always great because you'll get like the one 12 year old who's six feet tall. And then he's got a bunch of eight to eight to 11 year olds, just like running around his waist. Um, but it's great. We, we get, we get some, some girls out there too on the field, um, some little girls. And uh, we, we have some players, who played with played with us as kids, just kind of running around and, and helping with water and stuff. And now they're in their teenage years, and when they come back around the club, we're like, yeah, yeah, get him on, get him on. He's quick. We're all old and broken. Get this one on. He's fresh. Um, so yeah, we're we're actually you know as nice it is as it is, we're also hedging our bets and kind of retirement plan is get these kids in. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's uh, something that. All the successful clubs over here have, you know, junior pathways where, the, you know, kids kids can say, oh, I started my Oz kick here and then played all the way up to under 18s and all the big successful clubs have that. Um, right. It's not a luxury all clubs have, but... Um, so how long have you been the president for the Lone Stars and sort of how did you get in, fall into that role? So uh, <laughs> I guess I'm kind of the, the crisis president now. Uh, this was actually my first year or first season. Um, I've, I just happened to be uh, thinking about it now. Yeah, I guess probably the longest remaining member of the club. I was there uh, back in 2008 when we, when we started this up and uh, 19 at the time, I'm now 32. <laughs> so it's kind of been just uh, outlasting everybody else in attrition. Um, uh, the last few years, I kind of had something of a very fortunate um, inexplicable meteoric rise through the club of doing every position. We did vice captain, then captain and vice president, and got got involved in helping run the, the club and seeing the logistical side of things and all the massive headaches that come with that. And uh, then our president, Andy Craig, he was doing such a fantastic job, but he's also a little bit of a man of mystery with his job. He's very international, um, working all the time, He's uh, got a big family, um, fantastic family. And, uh, you know, he kind of wanted to step aside a bit. Uh, it, was, it was a lot. It's a lot of stuff. And so then I got asked, and uh, I guess, you know, little 19-year-old little inside of me was like, yes, finally. 
and all the old guys are gone. I'm the only one left. So, uh, so yeah, it just, it kinda, I guess it naturally fell to me uh, eventually. And um, I'm trying to do the best I can. I've got a really phenomenal group around me on our board um, behind the scenes who, you know, are just puppeting me through, through everything. I'm, I'm just a, a ball of anxiety and stress all the time, but they've, they, they're holding it, the fort down pretty well. So you say you've got a good you know, people underneath you. What positions do you guys have on your board over there? So um, we, on and off, we'll have a vice president, just kind of depending on need. Um, so right uh, now... Can I just cut you off for two seconds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rifty, you always need me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you always need me, don't... Don't worry, I couldn't live without you. It's all good. <laughs> right. so, go ahead, mate, sorry. Yeah, so we, we, uh, we got a VP position, um, and that's someone who's going to be a little bit more involved with the players themselves and, and seeing, feeling stuff out with the players. Um, secretary, which has been absolutely key for us. We have a key figure in our club, uh, Sonia Lovell, who, Sonny, and she has basically run the club forever, um, knows, knows everything, has all the information. She actually uh, sent me our, we, we had this document of the club's history, and she was like, I'm going to send this to you, make sure you have all the info right. Um, president, of course. Uh, we have a treasurer um, keeping track of our sponsors and uh, the money we got going in and out, um, social and comms, communications committees. Uh, we have a, we actually have a medical position now, um, so we have someone who's informing on injuries and stuff. Uh, a trained nurse who uh, has been very helpful for us, especially now with uh, when the pandemic hit. You know, we were trying to judge how things were going to go um, and what were the proper things for practice and stuff. So it's been very very useful to have her, and uh, and also finally um, a club manager. So we travel a lot and. We're an amateur club, so trying to get – it's like herding cats, uh, trying to get all these players on the right flights, uh, make sure we've got – someone has a team kit, someone has water, um, all that stuff. Uh, that, that's a position that's – I don't envy. Um, I, I've, I treasure it, but I don't envy it at all. <laughs> uh, you put your hand up, mate, but I'm saying it. We can't even get a bloke to bring bloody footies to a game. <laughs> Is that where you're going with that? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and it's only, we only had to drive 25 minutes to the game, and we still couldn't get everything there on time. So, <laughs> I, mate, I couldn't could not even begin to fathom what it would be like trying to get blokes on a flight to get to games. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we're very fortunate in our in our fundraising that we're able. Usually, each season we're able to provide some subsidy for for flights and accommodations. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that's another huge hurdle is it's all on us. <laughs> so, so obviously, um, you said like getting gear and that to games, you've needed to get a manager to do so. And we don't have one. Maybe we do need one of them. But how hard is it to actually get like playing and training gear in America? Um, it's not so bad these days. Uh, there are several outfitters that you can work deals with. Um, way back in the day, you know, back in 2008, we actually only had one footy. Um, I found online a rugby store in Austin, uh, Red Rhino Sports, and uh, give them a little shout out if they're still around. And I, I drove over there. I just just went one day, and it's like they have one footy. I'm gonna go get it. And it had a, a yellow burley, and um, so I bought that. And I was like, hey guys, I know it's not a red Sharon, but we got a footy. Uh, nowadays, there's a lot of companies we can go online and order stuff from. Um, we even have uh, our own Red Sharons now with our logo. Our old logo is on those. 
Uh, we can get women's footies. Uh, we've got a bunch of liar birds. Um, jumpers and kits, uh, we, we have a company we work with, and most clubs find one that they, they really like and the material and stuff. So it's not terrible, but often, often our, our Aussie expats who are going back home to visit family or for work, uh, we'll put in a call and be like, hey, could you bring back a couple footies for us? Uh, club will send you some money, you know, just see if you can stuff them in. Uh, I got a buddy bringing me back uh, Swan's gear uh, whenever he gets over there. It's hard because I don't actually know anyone in Sydney. So, you know, I, I got to put these poor Melbourne blokes out to go to a Swan shop if they can find one. <laughs> well, um, speaking to, I think it was Thailand, and he was saying, like, over there, it's impossible to get stuff. So they're the same yeah. thing. When blokes go to Australia, they bring them back. And I found it quite funny because normally when Australians are coming home from Thailand, we're trying to, you know, smuggle in extra packs of cigarettes and extra booze. It's you know, above the legal <laughs> limit. And they're trying to smuggle in footies, which makes no sense at all. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I grew up overseas and it was always a thing of uh, anyone who was going to a, to a bigger city was, hey, can you just package a bunch of Big Macs together and bring them back over? <laughs> uh, so you said you were able to sort of subsidize um, some travel and stuff like that. Uh, so you must have some pretty decent sponsors. Uh, have you found it hard to get sponsors through the time? Um, it can be tricky. Um, you know, I've got a couple of dedicated guys who, who've been really great about finding sponsors for us. And we've, we've tried to diversify a bit. Um, we're really about trying to make a, make our own footprint here in Houston. Um, so it's kind of a two way street with, uh, you know, yeah, give us money, but also we really want to promote some places. So uh, some shout outs, like they've been with us since the very beginning that there's a bar restaurant here called the Phoenix on, uh, on Westheimer, which is a local road. But the Phoenix has been, has been great. We, we love the owner, um, known him for, I mean, I've known him most of my adult life. And uh, he shoveled out money for our first kit, first official kit, which was great. We've got a local, local uh, brewery called Carbach Brewing um, and they're great. They, they load us up with beer, slabs of beer, uh, a couple times a season. And uh, we, we send out parties and after game parties over at their place. Uh, but, but there's other groups too. Um, we have uh, a local group of uh, physicians uh, that do uh, physical therapy and uh, sports rehabilitation. So we got to deal with them and we can send people over to them for a little bit of a discount and kind of get their name out there. There's groups now that are financial assistant for, for expats, especially Aussies who are trying to, it's like a credit union. Um, we also have, um, a lot of communication with the Australian American Chamber of Commerce here in Houston, which is pretty sizable here in Houston. And it's good for us because we can work out stuff like uh, passport issues and, and travel visas, work visas, things like that for our expats. So sponsorship, um, yeah, it, it can be a little hard to find it because we have to explain who we are. And maybe the first months or so they say, oh, a rugby club. Yeah, we've been wanting to find a rugby club. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. That's what we do. And then they come out to a game and they're like, wait, what, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, hey, don't worry. Don't worry. You're paying. It where it's good. We're going to bring people to your bar. Don't worry. Don't worry. It. It's better than rugby. It's yeah. better. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Rifty, mate. Um, there's two things I've, I've learned learning of doing this is that all around the world love Aussie rules and all clubs around the world that play Aussie rules enjoy having bars as sponsors. Of course. <laughs> Pretty much every club we've spoken to, it's you know their main sponsor is a bar, and yep. I ain't complaining because it's you know, it's one of my favorite places to go to. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's great that um, all around the world, 
there's something universal about football and that's that we all love to drink together. I don't even drink, but <laughs> it's just uh, something about Aussie rules and drinking beer and that it just all goes hand in hand. Beer, beer never tastes as good as after a game. That's definitely uh, true. Um, I, I'm sorry, Rifty. Yes, that's definitely true. I'll take I have had half. one once after oh. a game, so don't worry. It's... <laughs> um, but speaking of the social side, what sort of functions do you guys do um, to you know, have a bit of fun and drink a few beers after a game and stuff like that? So that's the thing with, with sponsorship too, being the bars. Is it's, it's definitely the easiest thing for, for amateur organization like we are to, to set something up after a game. So almost every club that you go play an away game against, they're going to have a function at their home bar. And we try to work schedules out to, to try and give people that advantage of, you know, let's get a game there so you can get people. So the social, that's always a big thing. is post-game, you go to the club's home bar, uh, they work out some sort of deal for the day, you know. Um, sometimes, like the Phoenix, will even get uh, an Aussie menu on and have some sausage and uh, stuff. We even got Lamingtons one time. Um, so that's that's a big thing. It's going to a bar or a brewery that sponsors the club, and that's probably the biggest money maker for a club too. Before the um, before the grand final night, of course. Uh, other social stuff we've done. Um, the league does a Mad Monday after our our national tournament. Um, so typically people will stay wherever the tournament's hosted. They'll try and stay an extra day and do that. Uh, if not, the clubs put on their own Mad Mondays, um, sometimes Mad mad Weeks. Uh, it's it's a very, very long season over here, and uh, the, the de-stressing afterwards is usually pretty epic. We've done stuff. Um, there's some, some really beautiful rivers, uh, a couple hours drive outside of Houston, so we've done floating the river. You, you get beer, you get inner tubes, all get in a big crowd and just float down the river for a couple hours. Um, we do stuff on the beach, which is about an hour drive uh, down to the coast and uh, can have a little barbecue out on the beach and kick a footy. We played some cricket around there. Um, <laughs> so things like that. Um, you know, we, we've got one guy in our club who he'll, he'll push, push all of us to do some salsa dancing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, social wise, especially with our club, a lot of the people, most people in our club didn't know each other before they joined. And so, you know, almost everything becomes a social event because there people are now hanging out together. Um, I've got friends from the last decade that were only made through this club. And uh, so when you, when you ask about social events, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like everything we do. <laughs> I, I can definitely um, vouch for even Sandown and Aussie rules in general mm-hmm. being very social. I'm, I got married last February and um, I had a, a, a decent size wedding, about 100 people. And I think 75% of that was people I'd met through the football club that I've, been, I've become mates with across 10 years. So you know, it's definitely a great way to meet people and you do make friends for life. Um, now, do you guys go on an end-of-season footy trip? Because we've heard some pretty you know, good stories and we're starting to actually worry about players leaving our club to venture overseas for these trips. Um, do you guys go anywhere <laughs> special and have any fun at the end of the season? Um, usually and it's, it's always a, it's always a monetary thing too. You know, um, you know, we, 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 we try to get as many guys as we can traveling th- throughout the season and spend most of our money doing that. And especially getting people to the national tournament. And, um, so after, at the end of the season, we haven't done anything, uh, super official. Uh, we try to have get togethers for us. It's, uh, the end of the season goes into over the winter. So we try to get people in over the winter for different social events. 
Um, our biggest thing is doing an awards night a few, uh, usually about two weeks after the national tournament when everyone's ribs have had a chance to stitch back together and heal. Um, you know, black eyes are gone and we can dress up and look real nice. <laughs> black eyes and bloody, bloody, bloody noses. Uh, official, uh, official season trips, we, in, end of season trips, we haven't done that, but it's something that's definitely been on the docket for, hey, we should get something together like renting out a beach house, you know, you, you know down in Galveston Island, which is, isn't far, and uh, doing something like that to, to keep people engaged over the off season. Especially with us, that, that's, that's hard because as soon as the season's done, and there's not that motivation of uh, officialness. You know, it's, okay, how do we keep people, especially these new guys, they're really excited. How do we keep some of the other guys who are a little tired? How do we keep them involved in the club and keep them excited about all this? So hearing that other clubs do an end-of-season trip, that's something I'm uh, – you know what, that's my one thing. My one thing as president during my tenure, I'm going to get this instated. You, know? you better hope he doesn't come across the sand down, mate. Clark, he could be having a job as president. Blokes will vote him. <laughs> What are you talking about, mate? We just had one of the most epic footy trips ever. So we, you weren't, you hadn't been voted as president just at that point in time, mate. So well, I was <laughs> serving president at the time. Yes, thank you oh. on the ship. Okay, so normally the footy trip question is my favourite question, but after looking up your social media, the question I actually really want to know about, mate, is you guys have launched an initiative called hashtag Take a Minute. You partnered with a mental health awareness organisation. Can you explain to not just myself, but everybody what that is and you know, how did it all come about? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, uh, our, our central regions, um, each, each one of the regions in USFL has a, has a president or a, a vice president who's in charge of that region. And the one for central happens to be a, a very key figure in our club. And he asked me, hey, this year um, we've had Hurricane Harvey had come through Houston. And what was kind of a lightning rod moment for our club was we realized, hey, we have this, this organization of like 100 to 200 people involved that are all capable. And we've got a core group of like 40 athletic people. Um, we're all over the city. Why don't we get out and go help people and see if we can help, you know, tear some stuff out of people's houses to rebuild, um, go see if people need help. Um, I had someone on a kayak in a neighborhood, uh, you know, through, through this, and uh, it, it made us realize that we could have a big impact in Houston. We've been taking a bit for, for a decade from local businesses and stuff and being able to survive that way. And now we thought, hey, we have people. That's, that's capital. We can use that. And so Dave Bryant, who's the VP of the Central Region, asked me, what are some charities or what's an organization we could play for, or at least use all of our people and our social media presence to get some attention on? A friend of mine happened to be working with this group, Heart Support, and Heart Support started out as uh, mental health awareness and support, especially for youth in the metal music scene. Uh, the, the founders of that organization were involved. Uh, one of them has a band, um, and uh, Jake Lures, um, and he, found that there's a lot of young people showing up to these, these shows, these concerts, and they're going through a lot of stuff. And because this is their one thing that they all connect with, they thought, oh, this is great. Let's connect with these kids through this. And that, that organization has grown to expand their vision now to uh, you know, more general mental health awareness in touching base with people and getting in touch with people. So with us, I thought, hey, this is great. Um, at the time, 
there seemed to be a movement in AFL. We were having some very high profile players were, were coming out and talking about, I have to take time away from the game. Um, it, it, I have mental stress. I, I, I need to be with my family, things like that. Uh, we had figures here in American professional sports uh, who were making huge waves with this. And the reaction to that made me realize, oh, we are terrible at this. We are really bad, especially athletes, um, especially male athletes of admitting that we, we deal with stuff. So for us, um, we're trying to figure out what, what can we do for heart support other than just telling a bunch of people, hey, look at this website. Um, and kind of organically, I thought, hey, I've had, I had struggles uh, when I was younger and even every now and then. Um, so why don't I make a video? And uh, the take a minute thing was just kind of something I said in the video and we realized, oh, hey, that could, that could take off. And so yeah, now our idea is if we can get that hashtag spreading of come on for a video, uh, speak for a minute about anything that you struggle with and um, you know, get it out there. And the core idea being, if you see other people in your league, the special interest that you have, this, this league that plays Australian football here in America, and you see other people that you, you've tackled, you've been on the ground with, and you see, oh, this guy struggles with the same thing that I thought only I was dealing with, or he's talking about this, she's talking about this, that means I could easily you know, just get it out there and talk about it and get some attention on it. The coolest thing, uh, well, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. I'd love for people to make more videos, but I don't want them to have a need to. Um, but one of the coolest things was after we made the first video and put it out, I got a couple different messages through Instagram, through Facebook, just private messages from guys in the league. And some, some people dealing with serious issues and asking like, hey, I didn't realize someone else in the league was talking about this and I just wanted to vent and uh, maybe get some advice about like where to go for resources. And that was great. And you know, I've been in contact with, with those people who contacted me and now they're helping out with, the, with the, this push. So yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell, that's what our approach here is, is just trying to normalize the issues that people deal with. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a hard one. It's something that you want to promote and the more videos, the better you the message out. But at the same time, the more videos just means that there's going to be more people going through unfortunate times. Um, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, we had on a bloke by the name of Todd Morgan who works in an organization in Australia called Outside the Locker Room and they focus on mental health and predominantly in the sporting, uh, like local footy clubs and whatnot. And we're, um, we're quite big on mental health at our club. We at the back end of every episode, we'd give out the uh, couple of websites that you can go to visit and also the lifeline number if you need someone to talk to. Um, as somebody that's gone through my own struggles, mate, I you know, tip my cap to you for and your club for doing what you've been doing, mate. That's, that's incredible. And I know we might be in Australia, mate, but I'd love to you know, get involved and you know, do a video for you and as much as obviously, you know, videos aren't the, you want the videos, but you don't want the videos because of the, what they <laughs> yeah. come from. Mate. Yeah, I'm more than happy to uh, take a minute and, share my story just you know, show that your message is getting across to Australia as well uh, that'd be absolutely wonderful um, that's the thing like every new video we get and I think we're we've got three or four now and I know there's a couple people wanting to contribute it is a hard thing and you know I uh, we, we put out an explainer video of what it you know what it involves and I had to make that point of you know your friends and family are going to see this and uh, they may not know what you've been going through but it's a huge, huge help because each new video just is, it makes people feel more comfortable in sharing. 
So it's and it's it's great to hear that you guys have have that outreach too. And sometimes, like what I've learned with through my was it just expressing it can sometimes help. For example, on the episode with Todd Morgan, I admitted you know, had mentioned that I'd been through a couple of uh, periods in my life that weren't the greatest, and not many people knew about that. Then as soon as sort of I expressed it on this show, it sort of became a lot more okay. It's easy now to talk about it. It's not nothing you should be ashamed of. And so again, I tip my cap to. You your club and everything you guys are doing for mental health, mate. It's awesome. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, the best thing we've, we're finding with talking to all these clubs around the world is uh, the different things clubs are doing. And I think something like that that you guys are doing is uh, fantastic. And, and something else that we sort of don't comprehend quite over here in Australia is the impact of things like hurricanes and stuff like that that happen over in the States because it's just – something that doesn't happen to us. Yeah, we had some pretty bad bushfires uh, recently, but yeah, the hurricanes and the sort of frequency that you have pretty big natural disasters over in the States is just something that, you know, it is, is hard to comprehend and the impact it has on, on the sort of communities and uh, over there. Um, so it's fantastic that you guys are using your, your players and your, your little community to help out with those, those uh, times. Um, so again, I, I tip my cap to you guys, um, but let's learn a little bit about yourself and sort of your playing time. Like you said, you played Aussie rules since you're 19. So you've actually, you've actually played Aussie rules longer than I have. And I grew up with the game. So, um, but sort of what position do you usually play? Um, at this point, I'm uh, something of a utility player in, in that. Okay. In American clubs, that means a little something different. You know, I'm not I'm not playing the same sort of role as Adam Goods. Uh, it, it's more, you know, as my coach used to say, where the hell do I put you? And uh, <laughs> for um, when we first started uh, playing, I, I was very, very much not an Aussie rules player. I was very out of shape. And as I got in shape playing, I kind of next to that came pretty decent at running so that meant that I had to do my time on the wing for for a good while um, which is just the worst place to play if you don't want to have to run the field constantly <laughs> um, but uh, I played the wing for a long time and, and nowadays you know I'm not going in the ruck I'm, I'm like 510 <laughs> I'm not going in the ruck or full forward but I'll play in the back line um, try to lock someone down get a little crafty now in my older age uh, I've gone through the middle, gone up the guts a couple times. Um, yeah, at this point, I've been all around the field. <laughs> Sounds like you rift. Yeah, <laughs> Ed Dog knows all about not wanting to get up to the wing. He's hey, he's, hey. he's seen the wing once, and uh... <laughs> no, that's a lie, Mark. I've seen the wing a couple of times. Just that one time. So I'll tell you a quick story because if people want to hear the full story, go back to episode one of the Cobra Cast. But um, <laughs> he played a game. Was it about three, four years ago? Maybe longer. Yeah, yeah. Everyone ago, and um, I've got the ball up on the wing. I'm a full forward, so I don't really venture to the wing very often. He's come off the bench, which was pretty much right there. I've taken three bounces, kicked the goal. As I've taken them three bounces, he's actually started 15 metres behind me and overtook me before I kicked the goal. <laughs> 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 While I was shepherding for him, running down, and then I'm sort of, oh, hold on, I've got to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <taking him> <laughs> yeah. I, I pride myself on being quick, but just not over anything further than 15 metres. But it was a good. So, what about the highlights? What's been the biggest highlight of your Aussie Rules career so far? You know, uh, I, I thought about this question, and um, I, I feel like I had a good one lined up. Um, 
at a, at a national tournament a few years ago. But that's the thing is, is our league, it's not about, we, we really don't, it's not about the individual effort. So I'll say my, my, my favorite moment was something around like last year, we were at our end of season party in our awards night. And when we first got started, this was like, me and six or seven other guys in someone's house and we were like making up awards you know and and things to, to give people and then last year uh we, we we were fortunate so one of our one of our uh texas heat women she lives in a high a high rise here in downtown houston so we rented out the clubhouse there and we had this beautiful view of downtown and i'm just watching all these people come in to this party and people bringing in their kids and bringing friends to see uh, my family came, my mom and my siblings came. And I just looked around the room and I got a little misty eyed and had to take a moment because I got this group now, you know, there was like 30, 40 people there. And I just realized, oh, we made it, we made it. We, we, there were so many struggles early on of, I'd be driving out to practice, I'd be calling Dan Hallward, which I hadn't mentioned him yet. He, he was integral to, to forming this team. And um, I call up Dan and I'd say, hey, we're still practicing, right? I see it's raining over there. Are we still going? And he'd be like, yeah, man, I'm already out here. Just just get your butt out here. And uh, I also had the footing. So he'd be like, yeah, come on. <laughs> um, and it, it was I was constantly like someone would get injured and be like, okay, well, shoot, we just went down from eight players to seven. Do we still have a team? Uh, are we still doing this? And I so desperately as a kid wanted this. You know, I was 19 and I, I just wanted it to work. So last year after – an okay showing at nationals, but we brought a women's team out that everyone, they were like the crowd favorites. People loved watching our Texas heat play. And uh, we, we, we met Aaron Phillips. She even, I even got her signature on this hat. Um, coolest person in the world. Uh, and I just, I'm standing there watching all, all my, my club people show up and the kids are playing in the corner. We, we sent someone out to a grocery store to uh, like a bulk wholesale store to just buy snacks and stuff. And we filled this huge table with things and it was just so cool to see everyone there and realize that as a club, as an organization, we made it. And my heart just did a little Grinch thing, it just swelled and burst. <laughs> so I think, I think that's kind of my favorite moments um, in general is at the end of the tournament, at the last day, and you're sitting there and you're seeing all of the clubs in the league, all these guys that you were just viciously grinding your teeth against moments ago, and now you're joking and, and, you know, elbows poking and having beers with each other. It's just the coolest thing, what we've built. That's uh, probably my favorite answer for that one, Rift. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's, it's nice to hear that and that's, you know, the fact that you did have your struggles early days and you were there as part of it and you got to see the, the fruits of your labor, I guess you'd say, come to the forefront at the end of that. Um, so, two-parter, how did you actually find AFL and come across Aussie Rules footy and who do you follow? So uh, personally, um, I grew up overseas and, and, and around a lot of Aussie expats. And so I'd heard of the game and very occasionally seen it um, on TV pop up. But uh, there, there are a lot more Aussies from northern areas. So rugby was a bit bigger, um, especially with the locals where, where I lived. So I knew about it. And in uh, around 2008, I was moved back to Houston for school. Um, I've been around the state a little bit, and uh, a, an expat buddy of mine was taking his year before university and traveling through the states, and met up with me in Houston, and he said, hey, mate, I, I just came from a national tournament for footy in Colorado, and he told me he, he watched this grand final up in the clouds in Colorado, 
He said, you got to find, you got to see if there's a Houston team because I think there's a, a, a national league. And so I, I did some searching and uh, yeah, I found like the remnant of the first attempt at a Houston team on Craigslist. And uh, for anyone who remembers what that website was and uh, <laughs> you know, did the super, super safe thing for a 19 year old to do is message this adult man and say, Hey, can you teach me how to play this sport at a park? <laughs> and uh, sure enough, this guy, uh, he, he met me there. Um, key figure in our club, Jared Maidenberg, he'd been around in the, in the very first efforts. And it was me, him, and two other guys at a, at a park here in Houston. And uh, he taught me how to kick the footy uh, as best you could. I'm a terrible kick. Um, but we, we just ran around. I just about died that day, very out of shape. Um, was running up the hill with them, running in circles, kicking a footy. Threw up after those three guys left. Um, I threw up against the tree, and, and I thought, this is great. This, this sport is amazing. I love this. And uh, when Dan Holward, uh, he showed up very soon after that, and he played footy in Australia a bit, and uh, he had all the knowledge and wisdom behind it, and um, also just vehement anger at all of us learning how to play is exactly what we needed. And he got us, he got us in shape, we got us playing, and uh, yeah, so that, that, that kind of spurred my love for the sport. I follow the Sydney Swans. Um, I, uh, I spent, a little, I got to spend a, a Christmas in Sydney, which was amazing, and I loved the city. And then following their club, how uh, progressive they are, how inclusive they are, um, really speaks to me. And uh, I, I'm, I'm a teacher, so seeing for a lot of my students and for a lot of my kids, seeing that there's a, a professional sporting club that is completely brazen about, we want everyone included in our organization, that really speaks to me. And I, I loved watching Adam Goods play. He was my favorite player, hands down. So yeah, I, I bear it for the Swans. That's a little unfortunate. It's yeah, we are we are in Melbourne, so let's be, let's, let's be honest, mate. He's, uh, his teams have more success than both of our teams have in the last decade, so a few yeah, decades. Yeah. So unfortunately, yeah, but Adam Goods was uh, an absolute superstar of the game. It's a shame that sort of there's a bit of a you know blur on a uh, bit of a mark on his career during the end. But I think it, it was no fault of his own. Just yeah, I think yeah. Out. Personally, I think that was something that should never have happened and never gone on because. Um, he, yeah, he'll be forever known as one of the greats of the game in my eyes. Um, yeah, you know, that thing with his conversation too is so great though. You know, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, it's a silver lining of when you bring up Adam Goods, one of the best players the game's ever seen, you have to have that conversation too. And that's kind of the same theme we go with, with the mental health awareness here is, Hey, if we're going to talk about this, we can bring light to that too. So at least there's some positive. <laughs> yeah. There's some positive until you speak to the wrong people though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, people above the age of about 50, I reckon. You mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned that you found it on Craigslist. Now Craigslist was never something that's been popular. Was it didn't, you know, wasn't in Australia. The only sort of knowledge we have of Craigslist over here is people getting catfished. So um, I'm glad you didn't get catfished and I'm glad that you were able to find Aussie rules through it. Um, but what's been the funniest thing that you've seen either playing or, or just being involved in the club that's happened during your time? You know, there, there, there's God, over 10 years, there's been so many moments and I had to, I got a little piece of paper here with a bunch of strike throughs because I realized, oh, no, that's incriminating. Uh, I don't want to throw someone <laughs> under the bus. Um, I'll say, you know, there, there was a good one. And maybe it's a little vanilla, but I always thought it was really funny. And I giggle every time I think about it. Uh, we got our start with Baton Rouge. Um, 
you know, we wouldn't have survived without, without them. And one of the guys over there, Rob Montanaro, he bought a school bus, bought an old school bus and used it for, for, for getting the team around. And they ripped a bunch of the seats out of it, put some couches in there. Um, and he drive the teams around and, uh, he took it to Austin. Austin was hosting the national tournament and the Baton Rouge boys came over and we were going to play with them. We didn't have enough for our own team at nationals yet, but we had enough guys that we wanted to actually go and see what the tournament was like. So we met them there. And Rob parks this old yellow school bus. And I mean old. It's got like a, a flat front. Uh, I think it's got a flat front to it a little bit. Uh, but he drives this, this, this yellow school bus to the ground. And it's this nice soccer complex that the league spent thousands on renting out. And he parks it. And it rained the day before. And it sprinkles that day as well. And we're all like, all right, let's go. We got the party bus. Let's go. And uh, it's just back in, just completely submerged in mud. And we're like, Okay crap so you got all these guys still in footy jumpers we still got our boots on we're, we're beat to hell and we're all like jumping on the back of this bus and there's probably like 30 40 of us just trying to push this school bus out of the parking lot and there's all these you know just regular people's cars parked and in this massive yellow school bus that were our biggest i think our biggest physical effort of the day was just getting the school bus out of the mud <laughs> so uh yeah little moments like that happen a lot it's a lot of uh Oh yeah, we are not professionals. Um, how how are we gonna make this work? <laughs> I'll tell you what, between uh message messaging a random bloke on Craigslist and a school bus with forty blokes on it, it's uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It doesn't doesn't sound great if you don't hear the whole conversation. <laughs> not a good sales pitch. <laughs> yeah. But that, the thing is I can imagine uh, like the fact you're still in all your playing gear, so you're in you know uh uniform that's not common in america when you're trying to do that school bus like it's even makes it even weirder because you're not in like you're in short shorts and singlets so it makes it even a bit more confusing for the random people walking past <laughs> absolutely you uh you asked me about oklahoma it's uh you know when we drive from houston to oklahoma that's that's a big trip that's uh, an over 10 hour drive and uh you go through a lot of small towns on your way up there and uh we had a, we had rented some some minivans to get guys up and we pull in and one of our guys just very excited, you know, he's already got his jumper on and this is the day before the game. And uh, he's got his, he's got his son with us who um, I think he's around, around 10, around nine, 10 loves footy. And we pull into just, you know, a gas station in the small, small town. Uh, and he just immediately tops out the van in his jumper with his kid in his kid's little jumper and they grab a footy and they're kicking through the parking lot of this gas station and people are just walking by with cowboy hats and boots and, and looking over just like what the hell are they doing and why are they in our town so we get that a lot you know especially post game you're driving home you stop somewhere to get some gatorade and you just got blood and mud streaked all over you in a super skin tight jumper that you are nowhere near in shape enough to wear but uh <laughs> I don't know. It makes people, it, it livens people's days up a bit, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, as Rifty learnt before the Cardiff episode, that I sleep in my footy jumper, so it's not so strange to. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll explain that off air to you. <laughs> um, all right. So now we're going. You, you said you didn't want to throw any blokes on the bus for a school bus, if you will. Um, yeah. But we're going to do it now because yeah, why not? Let's, uh, let's get some blokes' names involved here. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read out. Um, a couple of things. So, which players at the Houston Lone Stars would you say are the following? I'll read out a couple of uh, 
questions and Rifty will read out a couple and we want you know, an answer as to why you think that bloke is that and why. So first one is, which player at the Lone Stars would you say are the fo- is the following? The ladies man. Who's the ladies man at the club? I'm going to go uh, Danny Garcia. Danny Garcia. Very uh, tall, strapping, athletic looking, looking fella. Uh, we got bets going on how, how quick it takes in practice for him to take his shirt off. The name, even, the name Garcia just yeah, says just, it. Danny Garcia just sounds like a <laughs> yeah. sounds like a character out of Bold and the Beautiful or something already, doesn't it? As soon as he said, I'm like, oh, I can picture that. Yeah. <laughs> great bloke, great bloke. <laughs> All right. Um, so the next the next four, what we'll do because obviously you've got a women's team which is obviously made up of uh, three clubs, a, a, a one for the men and one for the women. So the okay. Clark Clown or the Joker. Uh, I guess for the women, I'm going to go with Haley Rebar, um, our current captain. Uh, she, she's great. She was on a podcast recently, a very, very professional sounding. And the whole time I was like, oh, that's a load of horse crap. I know Haley. <laughs> um, and then uh, for, the, for the men, I'm going to go with uh, big Mackie Hirsch. Mackie, he's, uh, he's a big grizzly bear. And uh, he's, he always brings some life to the club. Yeah. So what about the, the party animal? Party animal. Um, for the women... Oh, man, I'm going to get so much flack for this. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Crystal Winters, who is always anchoring down our boat race team. We always do uh, boat race, beer boat races. We're, we're kind of champions around the league at that. Uh, Crystal's our champion. Uh, party animal for the men, Jesse, Jesse the Stallion. Um, this, this guy will go out salsa dancing all night be- before a game, then rock up to the game, play stellar, take all the awards, and then just continue the party that night. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Rifty, um, just before we get the next one, can we get the boat race to our club? Because all these clubs around the world seem to be doing it, and we're, we're missing out. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be pretty common around uh, around uh, international rules, football. Um, yeah, we'll have to look into it. But uh, all right, who's, who's the person that just takes the game far too seriously? So uh, we actually have an award named after our previous president, uh, Andy Craig. It's the Andy Craig White Line Fever Award. Um, he, and he ends up winning it pretty much every year. Um, he's, he's fantastic for our club. And during a game, uh, you won't see someone put more effort. Uh, he played through nationals with a broken hand. Um, and uh, that's, not, that's not an abnormal thing for him. Uh, for the women, um, Kind of a different tact. I'll go with Sarah Pulliam. Um, she is probably the most energy packed into a small frame that we've had in our club. And you'll see her dart out of the middle of a pack and the other team will get the ball. And suddenly you see this little blonde streak and she's just speared somebody into the ground and she's got the ball again. And we're like, oh crap, is she okay? And she's fine. <laughs> she's Teflon, you know? Um, so yeah, Sarah. <laughs> So the next one's um, the mum and the dad of the club. So I'll give you two options. You can go the uh, the people that are constantly sitting there telling people off, like that's enough to drink. You've got to go home, stop doing this. Or the two people that the Houston Lone Stars would be absolutely lost without. You know, if any, I'm sure the club's going to listen to this and, and everyone's mind immediately went to two names when, when you said that question. Um, Sonia Lovell and Dave Bryant. Um, this couple, they have been, they've been the heart of our club, uh, putting everything together. They've taken some knowledge of how footy clubs work over there. Um, they're, you know, in and around clubs in, in back in Australia. They're actually both in Geelong right now, 
under quarantine. Um, and they've been such a such a big boost to our club. We you know we 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 took off when they came around and became involved. Uh, as far as the first part of that, you know, I don't know if they've been so much telling us off as much as being enabling to us. So um, you know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, without Dave, without Dave and Sonny, we wouldn't be here. So definitely, definitely the mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, de- they're definitely people. <clears throat> excuse me, that you need at your club and. There's quite a few around our club that would be absolutely lost without. So, um, yeah, credit to them for everything they do for the Houston Lone Stars. Yep. And I think it's uh, – we, we do these questions for a bit of a laugh, but it's good to see that most of the clubs we spoke to, as soon as you say, who's that – who are those people that at your club would be lost without? They're the, that's the easiest answer to come up with because at every club there is somebody that just keeps the place together and it's good that uh, – it that's sort of around the world it's the same thing with all these different clubs have that same you know there's always a couple of people that that are the glue to the club right um but where can everyone go to um find out about the houston loan stars and and follow along with your or hopefully if you get a season this year but uh yeah follow along your journey uh yeah so we've got uh houston lone stars uh australian rules football club on facebook or just houston lone stars you'll find us um, Houston underscore Lone Stars on Instagram. And uh, then we've got the handle at Houston Lone Star, all one word, on Twitter. Uh, Lone Star is, Lone Star is a popular thing in Texas. So you'll see like Lone Star Construction go by, Lone Star Cement Company. And uh, so we tried to grab as many as we could in the early days and get the web domains. Um, we'll have a website, uh, we, we've been rebuilding uh, a home website, but for now, social media, yeah. Houston Lone Stars on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you'll find us. Awesome, and uh, I implore everyone to go check out your their social media, and also if you want to get involved in that, take a minute, um, check out those videos, and and you know if you feel inclined to post up your own, do so. Uh, we'll also share all your social media uh, as well, so you'll be able to find links to them. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you want to say, Ethel, before we finish up? I just want to thank Nick or Beardy, if you will, um, for joining us. You've you know you've taken time out of a very very early morning for yourself to join us, so we do appreciate it. Um, once we're able to get into our rooms, which we're hoping won't be too far away, and we can get uh, some of the stuff that we have stored in there, we'll get a polo or a jumper out to you guys and a bit oh. of a you know thank you and also a bit of a way to connect with an Australian club, you know, all the way around the world. Um, and again, just, you know, I tip my cap to you for what you guys are doing with the hashtag take a minute, mate. That's incredible. And we'll uh, definitely get a video up. Actually, by the time this comes up, mate, we'll have a video well and truly done and dusted and already out for you. Awesome. Awesome. Appreciate it guys. Um, all I, uh, you know, I, I, I love this opportunity. It's so awesome to have an Australian club reach out to us and uh, even, you know, putting some extra attention on the, the heart support and the take a minute initiative. Uh, you know, I, I'm hoping most people in my club will, will watch or, or, or hear this. And so I just want to say to them, guys, I love you, Lone Stars, and I hope everyone's doing okay right now uh, with quarantine and um, footy will be back one day. Awesome, mate. Uh, yeah, thanks again for joining us and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Appreciate it. Thanks. So, so great to talk to you guys. Thanks, mate. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Cobra Cast with the President VP. Uh, thanks again to our guest, and make sure you go 
check out all their social media and follow along with their journey. But at Dog, where can everyone go to, to get these links and stuff? Mate, you head to our Facebook page. At, uh, you can search the Sandown Cobras Football Netball Club or Sandown Cobras FNC. Our Instagram, at Sandown Cobras FNC. Our Twitter page, at Sandown Cobras. There's another page on there, at Sandown Cobras FC. Ignore that. Twitter won't delete it for some reason. Uh, you can also check out the Cobracast on iTunes and Spotify. Um, other than that, Mark, I reckon that's about it. Oh, sorry. You can also head to our website, www.sandancobrasfnc.com.au. Being remastered, all good to go. New website. That's it, Mark. Yeah, go check it all out. Make sure you follow along all the clubs that we've had on and, and uh, you know, follow along their journey as they keep going in Aussie rules all around the world. So we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for watching the Cobra Cast with the present VP. And if you need somebody to talk to, why not contact New Life Psychology in Berwick? They are now taking phone appointments. Or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info. And we are supporters of TAC's Towards Zero campaign. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info because zero is the only acceptable number. Hey Siri, play the Cobra cast with the present VP.